Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. Today's episode is all about thriving in the face of adversity and heartbreak. As a first-generation immigrant, Aracelis Sunico wasn't phased by moving to a new country, learning a new language, all while she struggled with anxiety. In fact, she was able to harness self-compassion and her avid hunger for learning to become her best self. Today, she's an engineer with a master's degree in management analytics and is enrolled in a new master's of arts program in counseling psychology. She's becoming a professional helper while training to be a mindful self-compassion teacher. Aracelis knew she could leverage her background in technology, engineering, and science to be of service in the mental health and wellness space. She joins us today to share some of her wisdom. Welcome, Aracelis. Thank you so much for that beautiful intro, Niluka. I'm so <laughs> happy to be here today. So welcome, and it's so well-deserved. Maybe you can start off just by telling us a little bit about the incredible journey you've been on through your life to get you to this point. Yeah, and sometimes when I wake up in Canada, I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing here today? <laughs> it's, been, it's been a journey. It's been a journey for sure, and and, and not the only one. For sure like there is many immigrants as we know in Canada and for me everything started back in Venezuela yes. in a small town where I grew up and I never I never really envisioned myself moving up north to North America and even less speaking English and I have to confess something here with you Niluka yes. <laughs> in, in South America in general we speak only Spanish Venezuela speaks Spanish, all yes. the countries around speak Spanish, yes. and, um, but Brazil, Brazil speaks Portuguese. Portuguese, yes. But the point is that for me at that point, I really didn't see the need to learn English. Oh, you speak and, fantastic English. Yeah, now, so. but, but, but now I see like really learning that new language was a whole new door to a new universe that opens to me. So I'm really, really happy uh, that I did that. And then another thing that I wanted to share today is that at the beginning of my journey for a split second back there when I was choosing what to do with my life uh, coming into university, yeah. I actually thought about it uh, getting into, into psychology at that point but for many different reasons and one of those being that uh, engineering seems like a better faster way to make a living financially <laughs> or at least that was the mindset and the narrative of my of my family and my culture at that moment I decided right. to go for engineering and I love the career I am an industrial engineering it is um the kind of training that allowed me to be where I am today today yes. and and I'm working still nine to five in digital transformation I work for city of Toronto oh. and yeah so so that's uh, that's been a journey professionally that I started back in Venezuela with that degree. Um, at some point, for uh, for different political and humanitarian crises that I started to to explode and to to appear in Venezuela, mm -hmm. I have to make a decision to leave the country. Um, that was a very difficult decision back there because, as I say before, I never really saw myself doing that. Like, never be, saw myself being an immigrant. Right. And when you have a narrative as a young adult 
what is going to be your life in 10, 20, 50 years. And then all of a sudden, your whole uh, community is experiencing this massive polarization. Um, in, in, in the case of Venezuela, a lot of humanitarian issues like shortage of food, medicine, and criminality, like a lot of problems were happening. I saw myself um, um, with this decision. So wow. what is Kara going to do? Would I still be, uh, remain in Venezuela and trying to be make the best out of this? Or maybe immigration will be an answer for me. Right. Um, the kind of immigration process that I did, uh, and um, I am not a refugee. That's a different process. I am an immigrant. Yes. Uh, but I still, at times, it feels a little bit as a refugee because it's not like I have the, the liberty to go back. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 So, so you made a so, sort of one way decision and you knew that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so that is uh, an interesting feeling that you, that I, um, that you navigate when you are an immigrant who feels like, okay, now my future is there and I'm not constantly thinking, should I go back or to Venezuela? Because that didn't seem as an auction at the moment, at, at that moment. And even today, it doesn't really seem as an auction, sadly. Right. Um, but anyways, um, so <laughs> I remember being back in Venezuela and making that decision. My family and friends being like, are you sure Canada is the oh right my gosh. place? <laughs> because because of the weather so oh. <laughs> those those are the those are the little things like you never really think too much about it but i i, I grew up in the caribbean like i used to go <laughs> to the beach and you know have a lot of sun and warm weather the whole year and then i remember that was a collective fear that my family and friends had when i was moving uh, towards um Canada. So yeah. I, I guess I just bring in it that, that to this conversation because I really like the topic of the podcast, which is how we can use courage to be yes. in action. Yes. <laughs> and those those little things like having fear to the yes. fact that you don't speak the language or you are going to um, spend your life in a big fridge. <laughs> those, those, are, those are fears that are real. Yes. And that many people make decisions based on those fears. Right. Um, in, in my case, um, I, had, I have the incredible luck of having parents that they, they really had this mindset that, hey, you just have to, to go and find out by yourself. Mm -hmm. So whether it is true or not, you will go find that out and then you will decide. And yes. I think that's a lot of what we learn today in mental health as a professional helpers. And there is all this space called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And yes. uh, and also with mindfulness. So I start now to, I'm just going to start to talk a little bit about those yeah, things go about for our it. conversation. Because when you have mindfulness to the, the enough, um, the capacity to pay attention to that fear in this case, are you going to be living in a big refrigerator? <laughs> And that was a real fear for me. Are you going to be able to speak with people? Will people yes. be, be open enough to be receptive enough with, to you, even though you have an accent, even though you don't speak the language at the beginning? Those so are real you, fears. You had no English language skills when you moved No, no wow. English language skills. Uh, I mean, to be, to be totally transparent, I was able to read a little bit right. because going, going back to school, uh, I had to read some papers papers okay. uh, yeah and I have to say this wasn't a time like believe it or not that Google, Google Translator was not there <laughs> oh and it wasn't good at the beginning so yeah translation was a real challenge like with the dictionary like yeah. I'm just remembering this right now oh but anyways when I moved to Canada I could read but communication as we know Yes. It's not all about reading. We no, need to be able to listen <laughs> and speak and do other stuff. So yes. I remember very vividly 
when the first time that I moved here and I have to go out for shopping to one of the gro- to, to get some groceries and I was I was afraid to do that because uh, I was yeah, afraid that the cashier in the grocery store will ask me something that I wasn't ready for like <laughs> I don't know do you want some baths and I will, I will be like so uh you know uh nervous about she or he asking me so those are the little things that I have to overcome at the beginning because it's really um I mean as a humans we have this need to express ourselves to communicate to be understood so when you go out and you feel no one will understand you and you will not understand other people you start to have uh to be fearful about maybe losing get lost out there or or if you need help not getting the help that you need etc so you moved here by yourself too like yeah at the beginning I I came here with my husband so at the beginning I I forced my husband to do the shopping (laughs) (laughs) did did he speak English (laughs) he did he did he he was the one who speak English so he was the delegated he was delegated to go outside but he really pushed me to you know to starting going out and start mm-hmm. asking um little things like oh how are you today or good morning yes. goodbye those little things yeah really make the difference for me and how did you get from those little steps to getting a master's degree and now enrolling yes. in a second master's degree and how- <laughs> How did, it seems like it accelerated really fast. How did that happen? That's a great question. Um, so I, when I, when I, something about my personality is I really love learning. Okay. So I'm so passionate for learning, so passionate. And when I moved to Canada, I saw like so many opportunities for learning English for free. So there was the library, huh. there was so many workshops, uh, public libraries also offer like conversational groups. Um, church also offer free stuff to, yeah. com- to learn. And so I started to take advantage of all those resources. And I spent a lot of time with with some doing some self-learning. Mm. Um, but to be totally, totally honest, what really made the difference was when I started working on a store. So I started ah, working okay. on a store. Yeah. And at that point, I was forced to speak. Yeah, <laughs> because, you, you know, to talk people, to customers, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't even customer because I was I was working like behind the scene mm. in this department called fulfillment department. Like, ah, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, you you will know uh, yes. about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I have colleagues in that place that they will say good morning, goodbye. They will ask questions. Right. Um, I remember I was very lucky and this is another thing that I also like to share a lot uh, and about the importance of community mm. especially when you are an immigrant because when yes. we grow up in a place we we just our community is a giving yes. because it's there for us we don't there. Really, yeah. yeah we don't really do, do that much intentionally more yeah. often than not to uh, to build that community but when we move to a new place especially yes. to a new country a new language new culture we need to be very intentional with community and in that place uh, that i was working i was very lucky because one of the one of the co-workers that i had there was a latino woman she was yes. also she also speaks spanish so she was the one translating for me whatever oh. i could understood and she really helped me at that very early stage so little by little i was building my confidence I got you. And I feel like with any skill that we want to master in this life, it's about building confidence. Yes, absolutely. And And it is one little step at a time. It's almost a practice that you have. Exactly. And we really need to, um, you know, put our, in in self-compassion, we talk about uh, like three circles. So we have the little circles in the middle that is safe. Of safety then yes. a little bit outdoor is uh the, the space for challenge and okay. then the, the the outer circle, big circle one. is overwhelming 
So yes. we, we need, when we learn a new skill, we need to give ourselves permission to be safe, then mm. to challenge ourselves, but not to get overwhelmed. So in oh. that space, yeah, so in that space, because it was so, the communication uh, challenge was very small. It was just about saying, good morning, goodbye, hello, how are you? How was your yeah. weekend? It was very small, but it really pushed me. And I, I, But I, I feel, I really feel safe because I knew my work wouldn't be impacted by um, mm. whether or not my responses were good or bad. Like no one's really, really cared at that job if, if I couldn't speak or speak. not. Yeah. Um, although something that I want to highlight too is uh, the power of practice because to get those interviews, uh, I practiced a lot because I mean, yes. I needed to be able to, to have speak this paragraph to explain who I am and what I do and those kind of stuff. So yes. yeah, combination of those two. So when we force ourselves to get a little bit out of that, safety space, yeah. challenge ourselves but without too much overwhelming because some, that's when burnout happen and we don't want that to happen mm. and in that safe space you had that lady who was helping you too so that sort of created that safe space with a bit of community there as well exactly and yes. that makes it it makes you a little get a little bit more courage to go into the challenging exactly. space exactly and you gotta yes. balance and not go into that exactly yeah so for me after that then i did a little bit of formal education in english also through okay. canadian government they offer um really good programs for newcomers to learn english and i took advantage of that yes. and then i started again to build my confidence on myself okay. so to then i went to to do an interview for an internship that i got for city of toronto uh that was when i got the job at city of toronto uh that was when really my english just skyrocketed okay. because i needed because now this was an actual business analysis role yes. and i knew the content i was able to speak through emails and obviously to read what they wanted to say my, my challenge was always about speaking and listening. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so but but I was very lucky that they were very supportive with me. Yes. Um, and I, I I really had this. I am so much great. I'm so grateful for for that very first thing that I had because they were just so supportive. I I felt like I was I was learning English at the same time that I was learning in the job, and that is a very interesting experience that I had at that point. That's a that's a big challenge too. To yes, I was you know. so tired by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, because it, it is a lot. I mean, I'm trying to learn French right now. I'm trying, <laughs> but it's um it's a lot easier to write and communicate in written because you can take time, think about it, compose it, make sure it's correct. Yeah. But to actually listen uh, and you're absorbing, translating, and then you have to form sentences and articulate something that that's very difficult to do. So I'm not, not surprised yes. you were so tired yes. by the end of the day. It's very difficult. But mm. what I found um, very cool about all this story is that uh, now when I like fast forward seven years that yes. since I began that process and I, I see myself able to have this conversation with you. Yes doing my master, doing everything, it's just make me feel so proud of myself. You because it's, it's, it's just like very evident for me the, the how much I I was I and I, I was able to you know move forward. And yes. and that's something that I invite everyone to do with whatever skills they want to master is mm -hmm. always you know to compare yourself to their past service. <laughs> that's the best reference that we will have. And just keep getting better every day. Just try. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how did you, um, you know, there's a lot of conversation about women in STEM, as they call it. And so that's um, the sciences, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medicine. How did you feel, you know, you're an immigrant in Canada, you're, uh, you have your engineering degree, you're learning the language. How did you find your, your place in the engineering world? Um, mm -hmm. in Canada and as a woman yes um so for me I really um 
I really took advantage of the little experience that I had back in Venezuela with mm-hmm. this consulting firm called, um, I, I was working with some consulting firms back in Venezuela um, and Deloitte was one of those. Okay. And then that having that uh, working knowledge really helped me to understand what I was looking for in, in Canada. Um, so I really focus a lot on what kind of responsibilities and skills that they were looking for yep. rather than the labels, because the yes. labels are, can be really, really different, even, even from company to company yes. and even more from country to country. So for me, it was more about learn, uh, trying to communicate, well, these are my skill sets. This is what I know how to do. These are the kind of projects that I work on be- uh, before. Um, and then, then trying to find out what kind of labels or, or job titles will match with that. So okay. and that's how I narrowed down my, um, my search at the beginning for jobs. Um, so you had a, it just seems like you had this incredible ability to sort of go internal and look at your strengths and where you could add value oh, versus yes. looking at what you were missing, right? How did you get into that mindset? Oh, that's a good, that's a good, that's a really important uh, topic. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, I, I always think, and I, I just going to praise my parents again, because I think that's something that somehow intuitively I learned from, from my, especially from my mother, just, okay. just, you know, and I call it, I call it something like you have to play to your strengths. Yes. And yes. I feel like so often, especially women, we, we have this social narrative of always, oh, you are not perfect enough, you are not good enough, yes. da, 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 da. so it is very common that I see women who are so focused on getting better in something that they feel they're not that much, rather than getting even better on what they are already good. Really good. So yeah. I, I, I always try to, to well, uh, I was guilty of that too um but somehow i have this intuition that i needed to play towards my strengths rather than you know trying to close gaps that i i have because i mean we all have so many gaps like we're only humans (laughs) only imperfect humans that's what we are and so that's why i think like taking the time to understand what are our strengths Mm -hmm. is just the best thing that we can do for for ourselves and that's the kind of mindset that I try to have in general in in how I plan my career moving forward because even even right now like my merging trying to I, I right now I am in a process of defining what is how my next 10 years of careers will look like Wow. Because because uh, and emerging this psychology with mental health with digital transformation and it, it, right now what I'm doing is like this research like who is out there who have an interest on mental health and technology and who have this similar background coming from engineering to wellness or well-being. And I'm doing a lot of research in that regard, meeting with people, talking to people mm-hmm. in order to, in my mind, create, create a framework. Okay, this is how I think my career potentially can look uh, in, in the future. This is what I can do. I can, I can contribute and add value to my community because here is where I feel there is a gap that my skill set can can help with. So that was more or less what I did with the what at the beginning. I was just trying to find a space where my skill sets and background will fit in rather than force myself to um, and maybe let me share something with you very quickly. Um, mm. A mistake. I, I feel like we really learn a lot from mistakes. Definitely. Like mistakes yes. is the best, best opportunity <laughs> for learning. And I, I, I really, um, I really uh, enjoy when I learn something from my mistakes. And yes. I think a mistake that I did was thinking uh, that because I was an immigrant and I didn't learn English uh, as a first language, 
I, I wasn't qualified to apply to certain jobs. Mm. So I started applying to more junior jobs, uh, yes. or even in areas that I consider um, were more easy, like in my mindset at that point. Um, then no no one called me. Like, it was like, what are you applying to this? I, I, this is what I think people thought when they saw my resume. They were like, overqualified. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, at some point, I, I was able to overcome that uh, limiting belief, and I actually started to apply to jobs that match my experience and resume, and that's when I started to get uh, uh, calls for interviews. What made that click in your mind? Because we, we are all all stumble and all get blocked by limiting beliefs. And I love that you brought that, that up yeah. because it's such an important thing for us to, to recognize in ourselves. How, what was the tipping point for you where you saw that my belief is incorrect and I should mm-hmm. be going after the things that are truly, you know, yes. my level or where I can add value? In my practice, like what works for me is having a, enough quiet time during the, mm. during the day that I can actually uh, listen to the feedback that I'm getting from the actions that I'm doing. And in that specific example, the, uh, the action that I was taking was applying. I was applying a lot to a lot of jobs but yes. that I, that for which I was overqualified. And then when I, when I realized that I wasn't getting any callbacks or and no one was paying attention to my resume, I changed my strategy. But it was because I was listening to that feedback. In that case, it was, I was, I'm doing something, but I'm not getting the action, the results, sorry, that I want. So let yes. me, let me t- uh, apply a new strategy. I love that. So how in your extremely busy life, as I'm sure it is, do you still find space for that stillness in your day? Oh my gosh. And not (laughs) even more like an obsess, like with quiet, with mindfulness, with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. self-compassion. Yeah, because um, this is like for immigrants uh, uh, that I, for me at least, and for people that I know, I have seen like this kind of pattern when, when you are a newcomer, you are trying to settle. So you are trying to find a home, find a job, find people, find friends. You go for that period of time and you don't really give yourself enough, enough rest. But there is some point that people start to burn out, like new immigrants, newcomers start, start to burn out. And actually I was, I just wanted to share a statistic, a stats with you yes, um, from the CAMH. Um, so they say something very interesting for me. They say like immigrants and newcomers, when they arrive to Canada, they have more or less the same level of mental health than Canadian. So right. everyone is at the same level same when they level. arrive. Mm-hmm. But as the time goes by, immigrants and, ment- uh, and, and immigrants and newcomer mental health will decline with time. Mm. So the longest that immigrants are in Canada, the the worse their mental health, oh, health wow. gets. Yeah. And that was that was shocking to me. And I'm, I'm doing mm. this this course right now on immigrations and mental health um, yeah. with this organization. And I learned that and that was very shocking. Uh, but I, I also like anecdotally, I could relate with that because yeah. I felt like at the beginning, my mental health and wellness was really strong. I was able to overcome a lot of the challenges, but at some point, uh, my anxiety was, <clears throat> it, it became really difficult for me to deal with it. But at that point, I did not have an awareness of mental health care or mental health at all. Like that was not on my vocabulary. That was not on my conversations. And that was around 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. So, so I think for me, um, just getting that awareness about the importance of caring for my mental health was yeah. really, and, and then getting these tools. And because you asked me, like, is, is that stillness is still, still important for me? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> it is the most important thing on my daily uh, activities. And I just prioritize that so much. So something that we learn in self-compassion, because you mentioned before and training yes. to be a self-compassion yep. teacher and very involved with the community too. Um, something that we learn is we are all unique. 
needs. Yes. And each one of us have specific, unique needs. So we mm -hmm. need to learn to listen to ourselves to see what is what we need. Mm -hmm. So the, the, we, we say that <clears throat> the quintessential question of self-compassion is what do I need? What do I need right now? And what do I really need right now? Wow, that's a deep question when you get when you it get is. down to it, right? It is. And I bet you it, a lot of people can't answer right off the bat. Exactly, because it takes time. It takes time for you to develop a relationship with yourself, and yes. that's why I'm saying uh, the reason why I'm bringing that and uh, that up is because in my case, particularly, I am an introvert. I am a highly sensitive person, mm -hmm. so I do need a lot of quiet time and stillness to right. reconnect to my with myself. But maybe that wouldn't be the case for everyone else out there. Right. And, and some of the um, uh, critics that I have right now for the internet and for this culture of so much information that we live right now is like, it seems to me like everyone have the best advice for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone is telling you, eat this, yeah. don't eat this, do this, meditate, <laughs> do that, da, da, da. And then my invitation for people is just kind of um, step back a little bit from that bombardment bombardment of information yeah, yeah and you know take time to listen to yourself what do you need right now and make a decision for yourself and especially for women because i feel like the the social narrative for women is even more complex so tough, yeah. because historically we are not we were always told what to do Mm -hmm. and what never to how to look how to be how to be exactly and never yes. really encouraged to find our voice and to speak up our voices yes. so it's a very complex process and I just wanted to share that question because that's how I discovered like for me stillness and quiet time and meditation is just basic for for my optimal performance yeah um but it may be not not the reality for everyone Right. But even just taking a moment and asking the question, what do I need? And just sitting with it. Mm -hmm. I think if it, it, it doesn't mean that, you know, you need to build a stillness routine like you do every day. But getting the answer to that question, what do I need, is so fundamental yes. to determining your own self-care plan, right? Yes, yes, yes. And I just wanted to share something else about that question. Like, if you or anyone who, who wants to use the question, what, what do I need? If you don't get an answer right away, that is okay too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give because, yourself a moment. To, exactly. Yeah. Because we, we live in this like striving culture, like all the time we need to achieve, achieve, achieve. And that's okay. Yes. And all for achievement and all for goals. Like, I mean, but <laughs> that could be also overwhelming. And that's what happens to me. Like I was pushing so hard to achieve, achieve, achieve that I, I got worn out and I have to take time off. I have to, you know, take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So and now really learning to, to, to develop my self-compassion skills. Yes. And, one of the, and one of the very important aspects of that is to ask myself, what do I need right now? And to, you know, act, uh, behave, like, actually do it. Like I you, actually do yeah. it. Exactly. You, that's probably the worst thing you could do is get an answer and then ignore it. Exactly. Just ignoring yourself. And and sometimes it can be, sometimes it, it can be difficult for people because mm. um, you may have responsibilities, kids, sure. uh, aging parents, yeah. like everyone asking for you to do something for them. And it, yeah. it, it, it is a whole process. So that's why I say like, even if you, if you can, or even if you don't get, get the answer, mm -hmm. that's okay too. Like, like mental health and caring for ourselves is a journey we're yes. not striving for a shift something it's just we're walking by and that's something that is going to be with us for the rest of our life yes it's okay you know take a yeah. moment yeah yeah it's a it's a self-care practice as we exactly. Say. So it's a, exactly it's a whole process. it is a practice yeah yeah did you so sort of going back to you know when you know we immigrate to canada and how mental health then uh, impacts us. Did you always have an element of anxiety or is that something that developed after you moved 
Yes, for me, the answer is yes. I always had an element of anxiety. Okay. Um, the way how I define it uh, at that time, like before immigration, I think I think it was living like with high functioning anxiety. Yes. So this is this is the kind of anxiety where you do everything. You're a high achiever. You do a lot of stuff, and people is a, a surprise. When they you have say, no idea. They have no idea. Yes. Yeah, and especially it this happened especially with women because we yep. we are prone to be more caring and you know having a soft tone of voice and being kind <laughs> with people, etc. So it is it is very like when I started to talk about my anxiety and being diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. people were surprised. People were yeah. like, "What?" What is this? Like, yeah, no, no, and, and and yes, like anxiety can be there, and anxiety is pretty much, um, and specifically in the case of generalized anxiety disorder, it is about feeling fear of the uncertainty. Like mm. you are, I I like to describe it as you're allergic to uncertainty. <laughs> That's how I, I, that. I that's how that. I describe it because and can you imagine like being in Venezuela there was so much uncertainty oh my you gosh, never yeah. knew if you're gonna have electricity and that's still the reality in Venezuela like <laughs> people in Venezuela sometimes you don't know and, and, and maybe I'm speaking too fast because I get no, excited no, for this okay. topic um the you you made not have water that day or electricity or criminality around your house, etc. So there is so much uncertainty that um, at that point, particularly 29, uh, sorry, 2009, 2010 in Venezuela, there was so much political polarization for that for a young, and there was all this political movement for students and etc. So for a young woman that it was at that point, I was so overwhelmed, like so overwhelmed. So it is not surprising for me, seeing back, that I was living in anxiety. But yeah. I think what is very interesting for me is the power of language and the power of putting, putting all these experiences in words. That the fact that I know I can articulate all this, okay. for me, has been an important part of healing. Because, because for the longest time, I thought like I was an anxious person. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like, that's part of my identity. That's who I am. There is oh. nothing that I can do about it. That's who oh. I am. That's, 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 that's how it was meant to be. You know, like, I am anxiety. And born then when that I, way, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Born that yeah. way, that, that's it. Like, not conversation around. And, and that's why I never really... Because I'm the, I'm, I have this uh, problem-solving problem kind of mindset, and I think that's yeah. coming from engineering, too. Yes. When I found a problem, I like to solve it. <laughs> so, and the reason I why... I like you that way, yeah. <laughs> The reason why I didn't did that with anxiety is because I did not thought... I, didn't, I never really understood it as a, something... I don't want to define it as a problem anymore, but it's more like something that I can do, that I can manage somehow. Yeah. I just thought that it was my anxiety. Like anxiety I might, and me were the same thing. And then in 2018, when I decided finally to go to a psychologist and help and get some mental health uh, support, I discovered to my big surprise that there is a whole world of anxiety diagnosis and Ooh. this person, she offers me, she she offered me this uh, diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. And I started to discover like there is a lot of tools and ways that I can manage. And of course, mindfulness and self-compassion being one of those, but also, you know, changing your eating styles, sleeping better, yeah. taking rest, doing exercise, connecting uh-huh. with people. Uh, you know, turning off your cell phone, turning <laughs> off yes. the news. The news yes. are terrible, in my opinion, like that constant bombardment of information, etc. Yep. So I started to really understand that I was not my anxiety, that I was struggling with anxiety. That is that such an important distinction, that it is so not you, 
It is just something you have to manage. Exactly. And that for me was the beginning of my healing process regarding anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I, then I got, uh, I got a little bit upset. <laughs> oh, Why? Wow. Because I, I was surprised that being the person who I am, like I've been reading about psychology and self-growth and a lot of reading, reading a lot of those, that kind of information. And I never, I mean, I never got, and, and, and all that reading that I did, I never really got something that telling me that anxiety is something that you can manage <laughs> and you can do something about it. And I was right. so surprised. I was really surprised because it's not like I, was, I wasn't looking, like I was always reading how to be, you know, how to feel better, a lot of self-help books, etc. cetera. So that, and that's, that's why, I started all, all this process. I went through practice more mindfulness and self-compassion, et cetera. And, um, but in 2020, and before that, I went for my first master, the analytics master, which is great. I love it. I did some, <laughs> and I still use a lot of that info in my, in my day-to-day work. Yes. But in 2020, the year of the pandemic, that mm. was the time when I finally had the chance to, you know, have more quiet time, more soul searching, more reflection, in, in introspection, because the, the rhythm of life that I had until that moment was so fast, like I was doing so many stuff, speaking with so yeah. much people, that I didn't have the chance to, to discover and to settle down what is what I wanted to do. Right. So, but that year, because everything stopped, everyone was forced to stay longer at home. Yeah, it made us all pause. Yeah. Yes. So I, I took advantage of that post and kind of decided to go back to my to my to school and to do my master's in, in counseling psychology yeah. because I'm just so passionate about this topic. Like I, I really I truly think like mental health and especially my like my heart is with self-compassion. Like I just yes. love the practice. I think it's a powerful practice that have the potential to do a lot of changes in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And just I'm just so grateful with the practice that I just have to share about it. So yes. now <laughs> I, I, I speak with people about it. I have my Instagram account and I have my website. Like I, I, I now I'm, kind of sharing about it so while I'm learning because I'm still in the early stages of becoming a professional helper and you know professionalizing myself learning a lot but I'm also sharing a lot of the information because it's just so important um in my opinion and this is obviously a very personal opinion um but uh, it's just mental health have the power to change a lot of the things that your we, whole life yeah. yeah a lot of the problems that we are struggling that right now and uh, uh, you know uh, um, all the gender gaps all the issues with climate change yeah like everything all those issues if we are able to connect with our inner power um in, in self-compassion we call it the fierce self-compassion side and that's mm-hmm. that is that side of you that tell you hey, you have to help yourself. You have to stand up for yourself in order to provide, to protect, and to serve your community. So yeah. you, you find that force. And, and I like Kristen uh, Neff, who is the researcher, who kind of is one of the pioneers on, on self-compassion. She described it very beautifully, uh, the fear self-compassion component. She compared it with the uh, mama bear. So it's, it's, it's this it's this bear who is a mom and have his little you know cups and and she is gonna do everything to protect those little ones. Those little ones, yeah. The little and pets, that's yeah. the kind of force that we can harvest inside ourselves to create the changes that we want in our life first and in the world. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because when when we talk about self-compassion. Uh, at least for me, the first image that came is, you know, be nice, be self-caring. But there is a whole lot another side of that. And that is that you can be the, the powerful, more strongest person in this world and still be tender and open to, yes. to kindness and experience. So yes. one thing, it doesn't really, um, uh, you know, um, 
the, the, the both sides of self-compassion, the, the tender and the fears can live together. And they are actually really important, in my opinion, to solve a lot of the problems that we have right now. I love the thought of the mother bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that for yourself is a, is a change in sort of mindset, I think, for a lot of people. Because yes, what would you say to people who are like, why would I be a mama bear for myself? Like, yes, I can be a mama bear for my kids or for my friends or for my family or for anybody else, but they don't quite understand. And this is a starting point for a lot of people. They're like, I don't, I don't understand how to do that for myself. How would you advise them to like, just start a little bit? Yes. So I think, I think a a very common image that we use in self-compassion is this idea of the, uh, of the, um, plane who has a crisis you know you're in the plane you're flying and all of a sudden you get the oxygen oxygen something is happening and you know what is the advice that we get in that point uh, they say to us put the oxygen mask first to you and then to the child because because if you faint or something (laughs) happens to you can't do anything for anybody exactly it will happen to the child it will happen to everyone too so like the reality whether or not we like it the reality is that we are humans we have limitations we are imperfect and therefore, we need to attend to those needs that we have first mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to serve our communities, um, in order to, to serve whatever we want to serve in this, in this world. So, so that's a very important message for people who want to, you know, uh, dedicate themselves to some activism or to do something that they are very passionate about it. That yeah. It is important that they take care of their, themselves too, because they need that oxygen to keep going. Absolutely. And so do you think that starting with that question, what do I need? Because a lot of people are also searching for this passion. It sounds like your passions just naturally came to you and they're very powerful and you you exude all of it. But some people are like searching for like, what what do I want? What's my passion? How do I, and there's so many questions like firing through your brain. Mm-hmm. So if you start with what do I need, do you think that naturally what you're passionate about and what you want to live in service to mm-hmm. would come from that? Or how oh, would you? I, I really love this question because so for, for once, I, I wasn't always like this. Like even last year, you wouldn't probably hear me talk as I'm doing right now. Okay. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm being in search of that motivation or passion for the longest time. Um, I think what I came to realize is that you really not, you, you really have, okay, so you know how there is this idea that you find your passion and motivation and then you work for it. And then, yes. First you find the Backwards, passion. Backwards, right? First you find the motivation and then you work for it. In yeah. my case, what I learned is that it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, like what happens to me is I knew I I was missing something professionally speaking. Like I wanted to do something else, but I didn't know what was it. Right. And if you if you think about it, like I, I I experienced all these changes in my life. Like I moved to a new country, a new culture, new language, etc. And I, I was thinking like my, I, what I wanted to do was continue a corporate ladder, like traditional corporate job. And, you know, I went and I did this master's in analytics uh, that in, at Queen's University that was great. Um, but when I finished the master, I, I thought to myself, oh, maybe this is not exactly what I want to do. There is something else. Mm-hmm. There is something else. And some people can get really nervous when, when they hear me talk like that, because they are like, but now what is what you're going to do? Like, it's yeah. like this, this idea that you have to have your life clearly defined in order to <laughs> go for it. And even when I decided to go for the master's in, in counseling psychology, 
Um, some people, I got so many advice, like people was telling me, why did you t- just don't do coaching, like a coaching certification or something like that? Yeah. Um, because now I had the skill of self-compassion and I, I learned to listen to myself. I knew that what I wanted to do was actually professionalize myself in a deeper way with mental mm. health. And I was able to, to take that decision. And the more I started to learn and study and research, the more passionate I got. Like the more I started to ah. get involved with my self-compassionate community, like right now I'm doing some volunteer with these people and doing my training, getting to know so many people, the more, the most passionate I'm getting. So yes. the more I share in my Instagram account with the little community <laughs> that I have that who I love and they ask me questions and I engage with them, the most passionate the more passionate I'm getting so my passion is just growing as I work and there is so many days that I'm tired after my nine to five that I don't want to finish my assignment that I just want to sleep and watch Netflix and I'm like why am I doing all this and then I remember why it's because uh, those little moments but uh, all this to say that don't really wait to have uh, the clearly defined path oh yes yes that this is my passion this is what I want to do <laughs> because I don't honestly I don't think it happens like that and, and I have talked with a lot of people about this and they also share the same kind of feeling and experience that you have really to work get out there make mistakes you know, take the course yes. that you thought you would like and you didn't. Take mm. the job that you thought you would love and you didn't. Yes. Uh, and then you will start to get clarity because clarity, you only get clarity when you action, when you when you take when you take action and get feedback from your experience, at that yes. moment you you get clarity. That is a, a beautiful way to say have the courage to take action. Yes. <laughs> One yes. little bit at a time. It's courage <laughs> in action. And that's all yes. that we talk about. Um, yes. And I think it, it all starts with just taking a moment and asking, what do I need? At the end exactly. of the day. That's how it all starts. Yeah. Well, this has been an incredible conversation. I know I've learned a lot from it. And I think our <laughs> listeners have as well. And I'm certainly thinking more about my own self-compassion, <laughs> what I'm doing and how to be a mama bear for myself. So I thank you for all of that. Is there any, you know, closing words or any words of wisdom you wanted to share with our listeners before we wrap up for the day? Um, thank you. Thank you so much for this time today and for this conversation. I had a lot of fun and I just wanted to share that just be kind with yourself. Like mm-hmm. whoever is listening, just Take a second and be kind with yourself. And sometimes we spend so much time criticizing ourselves that we become our own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And our self-critics can be very harsh. Exactly. That's a lot of, and, and, and for a simple, very practical point of view, critics are, is energy. When you criticize yourself you're wasting energy energy mm-hmm. so just try to and it's, it is not an easy process if you are used to it you have the habit of self-critics but do some research find find ways that works for you and slowly trying to transition to kindness mm instead of of critics um there is a lot of fears and comments that people will have a lot about it but that for for me having transition from self-criticisms to to kindness it has been just so wonderful and powerful and i know it's just warm and lovely so that's something that i would invite everyone to do and I certainly believe it because you just exude this beautiful energy and this <laughs> life. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be part of the conversation with you today. So thank you so very much. We really thank appreciate you so it. much. And look, I have the best time today. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. So did I. Yeah.